Welcome to Safa Security Chat Chat, episode 153 for the 25th of June, 2014. I'm Chester Wisniewski here with my co-host, Paul Ducklin. Hello, Chester. You're still in sunny Vancouver. That's uh, two weeks in a row, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm hopefully mostly settled in for the summer. I, I'm looking forward to some, some upcoming trips, but they're far enough away that I get to enjoy some time home. I think, uh, actually, I guess I could mention it here on the podcast. We'll be attending the Black Hat and DEF CON conferences this summer in Las Vegas at the very beginning of the month of August. And uh, Sophos is sponsoring Black Hat once again. So if you're attending the Black Hat conference, uh, I will be there along with some of our other talented, brilliant security minds. So we would love it if you came by and said hello to us, even though it will be summer in Las Vegas. I don't know what to say to that, Chester. Uh, give my regards to the strip, or is that what you're supposed to say? <laughs> Put a dime on red for me. Sure. Yeah, I, you know, I'm not much into the, uh, the gambling in the Vegas scene, although um, I do have to recommend Frankie's for people that like tiki bars, but um, I, I may be found there some evenings. Uh, you know, the story around TrueCrypt, um, I saw you do another post on Naked Security related to it uh, about forking. And of course, I'm very happy in the story that you pointed out the technical or programmatic definition of forking so that no one was offended by the term. You know, the story doesn't seem to want to die. I mean, uh, the, the no matter what kind of communication we either can confirm has come from a developer or is allegedly from a developer, there's seemingly an endless quantity of conspiracy theories about why or what that means. Uh, can, it, it, can we really ever put this thing to bed? Either the developers have spoken anonymously, so we may never know, but we have to assume that they have, in which case it's over. They want to retire the code. They think it should be rewritten. Let's do it their way because it's their code. Or it's not the developers speaking, or they're not speaking with their own true voice because someone's got to them, in which case exactly the same thing applies. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, you know, and I, I saw the, the message in the article you posted that was on Pastebin suggesting that if someone wanted to fill the hole in the market that has been left by the free TrueCrypt leaving, um, that they might consider starting, you know, from scratch, which is exactly what my reaction was when I heard about all these stories of people wanting to continue it. I was going, wow, well, you know, TrueCrypt doesn't support GPT disks. Uh, TrueCrypt doesn't support Windows 8. TrueCrypt doesn't support Linux for full disk. Uh, there, there's a lot of design limitations. And in fact, uh, some earlier uh, forks of TrueCrypt um, had to throw out compatibility with TrueCrypt simply because there were better ways of accomplishing many of the goals of what TrueCrypt was trying to do. I think that's really where the energy should be focused. If people are so passionate about uh, a free open source alternative to the commercial uh, encryption products out there, the right way to do it probably is to, t to learn all the lessons from TrueCrypt, but then uh, you know, start with a clean palette. I think we have to admit, however, Chester, that... <laughs> it was a it was a sort of attention grabbing way to go out of business, I thought, but that's their choice, eh? Yeah, oh, well, I mean, I mean it, it was mildly entertaining, and um, yeah, I'm going to do one last shameless plug since we're talking about this again. But uh, I did record a webcast with some of my thoughts on uh, strengths and weaknesses in TrueCrypt and and the way to move forward, perhaps with a better data protection strategy. It's on our YouTube channel, so if you want to check it out, it's eight minutes. Uh, it's not too long, and you can get that at youtube.com slash Sophos Labs. 
And to spare you having to do any more commercialism, I'll just remind everybody about sophos.com slash truecrypt. Yeah, that, that's a good point, Doc, because there's a lot of other content there. And, and as we uh, learn more from helping people transition away from TrueCrypt, we'll probably be posting additional resources there in the future as well. And we're not saying to go there because we happen to have a product to sell. We have a product to sell because we think that encryption is important and can actually bring great value to your business by stopping the bad guys from getting hold of stuff they ought not to have. Um, if you're keeping those precious valuables on your mobile device uh, and you haven't received all the latest updates, uh, there is a new, um, I don't want to call it, I guess in, in the Apple world, you call it jailbreak. Uh, in the Android world, we'd call it uh, a root exploit, but it's super easy to use called Towel Root, and it's from a known entity. Uh, what's, what's the story behind Towel Root? How does it work? Well, I presume it's a nod to the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. A good phone router always knows where his towel is. That will come out rude to Australians, but never mind. Uh, it's by George Hotz, who's kind of famous because he got into all sorts of hot water for showing people how to make use of their Sony Playstations years ago to run, for example, Linux uh, by effectively jailbreaking or rooting them. And Sony did not like that at all and wasted ages and ages of time and money, one imagines, trying to prosecute him for just showing you what you could do if you wanted with a device you had bought with your own after-tax earnings. Yeah, I would like to think of it more as liberating the PlayStation. In fact, uh, I have a PlayStation 3, and on the box when I purchased it, it included the Linux Penguin Tux on the box from the store, suggesting that my PlayStation was Linux-capable and, and, and I could install Linux on it, which Sony took away from me, and George, bless his heart, granted me the rights I originally had to put Linux back on my PlayStation. So he's done something similar for Android. Uh, my understanding is that it will work on any Android with a kernel dated before the 3rd of June. Uh, and if I'm not wrong, that's when Android 443 came out. So if you have Android 442 or earlier, the Towel Root program should work. And it's caused particular rejoicing amongst Samsung Galaxy S5 users, who until now haven't had an easy and reliable way of getting root access to their phone. The, the potential for evil, if you like, in the exploit that happens to be used in Tail Root is that it's a sort of no, no reboot required. You could sneak it into malware, into a Trojan horse uh, that did one thing, and in the background, you would actually get complete control over the phone. So in a work environment, if you're administering mobile devices, uh, this is probably an application you would want to consider blocking. Yeah, I think it's always the case that uh, rooting your device in a business environment is pretty much always a bad idea as far as if it's a device that has sensitive data on it or has access to sensitive parts of your network. It's one of the reasons we've, you know, introduced some new controls in our UTM at Sophos to say, hey, uh, you know, devices that are not compliant with the policy, don't even let them get on the Wi-Fi, right? In the work environment as well, one of the problems is that to install an application like Telroot, then you need to turn off the feature that says only stick with the Play Store. So unfortunately, by getting Towel Root in the first place, you're entering a world in which very much more caution is required. I guess, as usual, uh, applying common sense and thinking about the entire environment is important. Now, 
uh, moving into the malware category, since we always seem to have a malware story, um, I'm not sure this is exactly the right saying, but it seems that Eastern European cyber criminals abhor a vacuum. While we were celebrating the the damage done to the Crypto Locker gang and the FBI wanted poster and, and the Game Over Zeus stuff that uh, went down a couple weeks back, um, it didn't really take much time for other criminals to kind of fill that vacuum, right? We, we now have Crypto Defense and Crypto Wall, which appear to be the same code. And unfortunately, just like Crypto Locker, they do the crypto right, only it's a bit more expensive to get out of it. Yes, they've put the price up a little bit, I'm afraid. It's 500 bucks. And of course, in that same period, we've seen the Oleg Pliss hack, where people were supposedly locked out of their iPhones and iPads and iPods, pay 50 bucks to get back in. We've seen the simple locker malware for Android, which locks the device and scrambles your files. Once again, it just shows that taking down one part of the cyber criminal infrastructure is something to be applauded, but the rest of the onus lies with us. They knocked out CryptoLocker. They didn't knock out CryptoWall. It's a new group of guys with a new bunch of servers. So it's up to us to do our bit as well and make sure we don't get infected in the first place, which means the crooks can't use us to earn money and that we've got decent backups. Uh, so that if something does go wrong, whether it's laptop dropped in the harbor or data held to ransom by crooks, we don't have to get the diving suit on or do business with the crooks. That certainly sums it up pretty well, I think. Uh, Obviously, we do our best with our free Android uh, antivirus product to help prevent these types of things as as well, but uh, no amount of prevention will uh, make up for having a backup. So I, I personally happen to use both strategies myself. And it was nice to see, actually, in the crypto wall story, if you remember in the crypto locker days, there was a um, a rural police force in Massachusetts who got caught out by the malware. And there was some data they needed so badly that they kind of had to get into bed with the crooks and send them some bitcoins. Uh, and this time, just across the border in New Hampshire, Durham, New Hampshire, uh, there was a small police force that got hit by crypto wall. And they decided... They were going to fess up publicly and publicly take it on the chin and say, we will not pay. So uh, I feel their pain, um, but good on them. Yeah, let's hope it didn't compromise any uh, active investigations. Well, if you have to buy the data back, it would compromise the investigation anyway, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, some, some, I guess, sort of good news here in Canada. Um, I wrote at the end of 2010 a story about us attempting in my opinion, about 10 years late, to pass some anti-spam legislation, uh, Bill C-28 here in Canada. Um, That bill did finally pass in 2011, although here we are in 2014 and it still hasn't taken effect. Now we're getting close. Apparently on Canada Day, which uh, for those of you shockingly in the rest of the world that don't know that Canada Day is the 1st of July, the law will finally start kicking in. And certainly for new email uh, mass mailings after July the 1st, uh, there's some rather strict legislation you have to comply with. Uh, You wrote this up on Naked Security and looked into it in quite a bit more detail. Um, What are your thoughts? Chester, I thought the bulk of the law sounded really good. Uh, In fact, it's pretty much what Australia did in 2003, with a lot less fuss, I might say. This idea of must get consent, must have an unsubscribe, and 
you have to say honestly and truly who you are and not try and disguise the company you're doing business as, uh, which seems like common sense. So it's good that Canada has finally got there a mere 11 years late. What saddened me, though, was to read in the frequently asked questions list that the Canadian Public Service put together the following statement. Knowing that people and businesses may need to change their practices, the legislation includes a transitional provision. What that means is there's a limited period of time during which you don't have to comply with the new law while you get yourself in gear. And that brief period is three years long. So in fact, the law will not get any real teeth until the 1st of July 2017. Come on, guys. You've taken 11 years to get the law together and then you give everyone another three years to ask for permission to spam you. I just think that is being a little too easygoing. Actually, I think you're being easygoing on them. It took us 11 years to pass the bill. It took us another three years to delay its implementation until now. And now they're asking for an additional three. So really, we're talking about 17 years. I've chatted to you in the past about this law, and you've sort of suggested that a lot of people are kind of ignoring it because they assume it will just get put off again. And it hasn't been put off this time. And so we've all seen, even I've seen it from far away from Canada, this rash of emails saying, the law's changing, the law's changing, you need to opt in, so please click yes now. What folks need to understand is what these companies are really doing when they're sending these mails out is they're, they're kind of basically creating a new mailing list from what I can tell. So when you go to their site and they're saying, you know, please opt back in, which I've done for a few of the, the emails I've received, um, I didn't click the link in the email actually. So I went to the website of the company who sent me the email and I logged into their portal and said, subscribe me because basically their subscribe button from now forward is putting you in the new list. And so you can pretty much more safely, just like not clicking a link to go to your bank, but rather going to your browser and typing your bank's URL in, do the same thing with these messages if you're getting them, uh, whether you're Canadian or not. If you truly want the emails, you can go to the website and just sign up for the email again as if you're a brand new subscriber, and it will have the intended impact. And if you don't, just ignore it, and eventually they'll stop mailing you. On the 1st of July, 2017, in fact. <laughs> Unfortunately. That does conclude Software Security Chat Chat 153. As always, for all of the latest security news, please visit nakedsecurity.sophos.com. Uh, all of our podcasts are available through iTunes. Uh, they're on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash security. And now we're also on the TuneIn app if you use that to listen to your podcasts. And until next time, stay secure.